There is some, something happening, there is something happening. Praise the Lord. The table of the Lord should always be sacred for us. It's not something which is just a play, it's, it's sacred for us. Amen? And we thank the Lord for that. Uh, we thank the Lord for this opportunity to preach today, and I thank Him for that. And I want to pray to Him now to help me this morning. I want to talk to you about living a godly life in an ungodly world. Living a godly life in an ungodly world. Now, when I started preparing on this, and I finished um, last night with uh, setting up the presentation and everything, I, I thought, I wonder if there's somebody who's preached about it again, and I googled it, and this is not a new topic. There's so many sermons around this, so if you want more of this, go and just google it. Or you can listen this morning. What do you want to do? <laughs> but uh, it is so true if you think about that. You and I live in a mixed up world. Who knows that? We're living in an absolute mixed up world that embraces different worldviews. And let me just say that those worldviews is not based on the Word of God anymore. Because if you think about the Word... It says what it is. It's a world view. It's not a God view. And this is what society is built on. Now, I don't know if I'm going to finish this whole sermon because even this morning, as I come to this place, there's more scripture verses that just comes up to me and comes up. And I might be preaching off script here this morning, but it doesn't matter. Because I think and I believe absolutely that this is a very important message that all of us need to understand. That we as Christians, how do we live in this world, in this ungodly world, which is falling apart? You see, people base whatever they do in life on their view of the world, and it's influenced by the world. All of us grew up in different backgrounds, and whether you like it or not, that background that you grew up in is influencing how you live your life. Now, those backgrounds were influenced by society. Whatever your society around you did influenced you so much that you adapted your lifestyle to whatever they give to you. Now, back in the day, when I was still a young man, and I'm still a young man, praise God, but when I was younger, those societies were built on the Word of God. And you can find in every single thing morality. And morality is something which is the foundation and the basement of society. And it holds everything together. Everything is held together by morality. Didn't matter what worldview you had back in the day. But if it's all based in, in, in the Bible, on the basic principles of the Word of God, everything was sticking together and it was strong, it was healthy. It ain't like that anymore. There's a big shift that took place and it's, it's now like a landslide. It's now like a lance. It's no, there's no brakes on this thing anymore. The handbrake has been taken off and it's sliding and slipping so quickly and fast away that people, even, even while we are sitting right here today, the forces of darkness is pulling this thing so far away. Now, I'm not starting this sermon to give you a frightful and a fearful heart because we know that Jesus is our Savior. 
but to society is slipping away. Now, one of the things that I've realized and come to know is that back in the day when I was a younger man, and praise Lord, I'm still young. I'm just going to repeat that, okay, for my sake. But back in those days, what I found was that you could have a whole society that was based on the Word of God, the foundation was strong, and you could have individuals who were living immoral lives, but society was strong, and they would they would brought in these individuals and it will not shift the whole paradigm. But these days, my dear friends, the society is now sick at the core and now the individuals who stands out is you and me. Back in the day, if the things which is now made legal, back in the day when those things were were said in public, people would have shushed them. They would have said, you're wrong. You need to come back to the Word of God. And society would would have supported you in saying that. Today, it is flipped around on its head. It's not the same anymore. Now, today, if you stand up and say, but the Word of God proclaimed, everybody will shut you up and they will destroy you. They will make sure that you have no life anymore. And this is no new thing for us because the Bible, I read every time in the Bible that if you expose a spirit, which is not the spirit of God, if you expose that spirit, it's not going to be happy with you. That spirit is coming after you to kill you and to destroy you. And we see this with Elijah. We absolutely see it in his life. You see, I'm off script already. I don't know how I'm going to get into the word, but I'm just going to continue with this. Because listen to me. Elijah, back in the day, when he exposed those prophets on Mount Carmel, he didn't only expose the prophets. God killed the prophets. You remember what happened there? But the biggest spirit behind it all was Jezebel. And when that spirit was exposed, what did she say? Get that man of God and we're going to kill him. That even Elijah got so afraid that he ran away. Yeah? So it's flipped on its head. And this is the times we are living in. And this is the serious times we are living in. Where, wherever you go, whatever you do, the world is now watching And let it be known today, you've heard it not for the first time from this preacher, but you've heard it before through the Holy Spirit, that the time is coming where you will be running away from them. But here is the thing, running is making a stand. Now again, like I say, this morning as I was just um, preparing for this, uh, I want to read you scripture verse, and this is why you have to bring your Bible to church and not always rely on mine, because I'm going a little bit of scripture, but I'll come back to this. And there's another thing during the week when I prepared for this that I've decided to do. When I come to the Word of God, I'm going to become slow. What do you mean, preacher? I don't want to come to a point where we put a scripture verse up there and we rush through the verse. I believe that if I'm giving you the scriptures, which is going to become so foreign in our going forward, because churches is becoming a place of social acceptance, not for the Word of God anymore. But whenever we come to a word, we rush through the Scriptures. I want this word to sink into your hearts and minds. Now I'll go to Isaiah this morning. I want to read to you just what I've said to you this morning so far. In Isaiah chapter 5, 
We see that God is disappointed with his vineyard. God is disappointed with his people. He talks about Israel here in Isaiah chapter 5. And he's so disappointed with his people because he had such a great expectations for them. Such as God had great expectations for you when he saved your soul. There is expectations upon you to live a godly life. John the Baptist said it when he was baptizing people there in Bethabara and they came to him and they said to him, John, what shall we do? What shall we do? In fact, what they were asking him, they said, how shall we live this life? Now that we are Christians, we are saved. And he said to them, bear the fruits of repentance. In other words, you and I have to bear fruits of repentance. And so God saved a nation in the Old Testament. He took him right through the Old Testament and why did God choose that nation? To show an ungodly world. Listen to this. To show an ungodly world how a people should approach a holy God. This is the reason of Israel in the Old Testament. Every single thing that God did with that nation, every single blessing of God upon them, every single time that God punished them, was to show you and me, I'm a Gentile. I haven't got one drop of Jewish blood in my body. I'm a Gentile saved by, by grace, by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. But that nation, through the Bible, shows me, this Gentile, how I, a sinner, an ungodly person, can approach a holy God. And let it be known that you cannot stand before God in your sin because you will surely die. This is what He said in Genesis 2, Adam and Eve. This is what he said to Adam, not Adam and Eve. He said it to Adam. He said, if you sin, if you take from that tree, you will surely what? You will what? You will what, church? You will die. There is no hiding place. If you haven't got Christ, the Bible says it in John. He says it there in John chapter 3 verse 18. He says, if you, if you haven't got the Son, if you do not believe in the Son, you are condemned already. You are condemned. It's not even, I am going to be condemned. It's, no, no, you're condemned already if you haven't got the Son. doesn't matter what you do. I think I'm going to start asking, stop asking excuses for going off script here. Because I just want to preach out of my heart today, brother and sister. This is the world we're living in. So here is a godly people. And God gives them everything they need. God gives them promises as He gives you and me promises. God gives them blessings as He gives you and me blessings. And God punishes them as He punishes you and me. For what reason? Again, is to show the people how to approach this holy God. But then we come to Isaiah chapter 5, and the Bible says to me in that whole chapter that they disappointed God. He planted a vineyard, He says. He compares them to the vineyard, and He hedges them in. He protects them, and then He builds a strong tower there and that shows about the posterity of God and you know what the people still disappointed him and this is now you can read through the whole chapter but I want to read to you now from verse 20 which is a prophetic word for our day for our day and then you still speak to people and they say oh, what are you on about what are you on about? This, this, is, this could happen. This is society. You see, this is how I started the sermon, is that the core is now so sick that the people can't even see the difference between good and evil. 
It's a hard word, which I'm going to read to you now. Because unfortunately, and there, I must say it, there are certain churches, it is the reason for the messages over the last 20 years in some churches that we've come to this stage. Because if the, if the bedrock, if the foundation of society was the moralities given by God Himself, if that bedrock was that, the messengers were you and me. The messengers is the church. It says it there in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter, chapter 1. He says that God in times past spoke to the people through prophets. This is in your Bible, the Old Testament. You can go and read all of that. So God raised up one person and God spoke to the person and the person spoke to the people. That's in the Old Testament. But then he says, the writer of Hebrews, he says, but these days now God spoke to us through what? His Son. He spoke to us through His Son. And there we find the New Testament. And all of those things in the New Testament that He wrote down, why did He give us the Bible? He gave the Bible so that we can go and make disciples. This is what Jesus said. Go and make disciples. This is, this is the, the vision for the church. If you open up any church and you look in their vision statement, if it's not making disciples... That is their vision. And do what? Baptize them. And do what? Teach them. Teach them. Teach them what? Teach them the word of God. That's the proclamation of the church. That is the message of the church. Teach them what? The Word of God. Now, it's not only the church. Because, you know, people go and they say, but the pastors, you know, these sermons, these ministers, they, it's them. No, no, no. He says to the church, we all need to proclaim the Word of God. And this is why I'm saying, brother and sister, that over the last 20, 25 years, that has become so watered down that there is not a clear message any longer. Any longer. And now people are fretting around. Now people are running all over the place. And they go, oh, we should stop this, and now we're going to have a march against this. And now we want to walk around with flags like the world. Like the world. If the world doesn't like something, what do they do? They organize a march. Isn't it right? And they organize a march with flags and all of those things. That's what the world do. I don't ever read in the Word of God that He said that we should do that. Did you? Do you? Do you? Come on, I'm challenging you today. Bring me the Scripture verse that Jesus says, we need to now walk around and march. Now, now get me, don't get me wrong. If those people are filled, they led by God, bless their hearts. If you want to walk around with masks and, and remind the world against abortion, praise the Lord. But listen, your brothers and sisters, the, the state of abortions is where it is now because the foundation is rotten, because the message has been watered down, because murder is not murder anymore. Murder has now become a choice. When in the Bible did it become a choice? When and where? Where is the proof in the Bible that you can initiate people? Where in the Bible says that you can commit suicide and call it legal and lawful now? Where is the preaching against it? 
Where, oh where is it? The core is rotten. And instead of, you know, pointing a finger at that, I'm praying for that. I say, Lord, there is still people who can proclaim this. Now, I'm not standing here this morning and say there's no hope. There's always hope. There is always hope, yeah? So we come to the scripture verse now in, in Isaiah chapter 5. And listen to what it says now. And all of that that I've said so far. And I want to actually go to verse 18. And this is now woes, W-O-E. Am I saying it right? Woe. Who knows what woe is? Is that good news or bad news? It's bad news. Now this bad news doesn't come from the government. It doesn't come from a person. This bad news comes from whom? It comes from God. And if God proclaims anything, we better sit up and listen. We better listen to this now. He says, W-O-E, woe. And this is what God speaks through this prophet Isaiah to this nation. And may I say, He speaks it to our world today. He says in verse 18, Woe to those who draw iniquity with cords of vanity. Who knows what is iniquity? Iniquity is sin. And God says, watch out those people who do this. And I love it when he, pray, he writes it. He says, who draws, it means they are pulling it everywhere they go. Who draws it behind them. Iniquity with courts of vanity. Who knows what's vanity? Nothing. Nothing. That's what vanity is. It's an emptiness. It's a falsehood. Vanity is falsehood. So people are pulling all of the sin behind them in vanity, in falsehood. You know, this term fake news has been brought up. And this is what it is. It is fake. It's falsehood. But they proclaim it as something with substance in our world today. He says, woe unto them. In verse 19, that say, let him make speed and hasten his work that we may see it and let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw near and come that we may know it. And now, listen to this prophet now. He says in verse 21, in 20, woe, W-O-E, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Are you hear what I'm saying? Have I just for the last 20 minutes explained to you exactly what he was saying there? I actually think he's doing a better job than me though. He gets right to the point. He gets right to the point. And, and let me just say, who am I talking about? I'm not talking about Isaiah. Because it's not Isaiah speaking right now. Who's he speaking? It's God. He gets right to the point and he says, watch out, woe to those, listen, I'm going to read it slowly again, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And then he goes on to say, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. 
I don't have to preach any, anything any further because I believe the word of God has spoken. Turn on your TV and go back to what I've said. That the core is rotten. The foundation is rotten. And I'm speaking to mums and dads now. I'm speaking to grandpas and grandmas now. There is a responsibility on your and my shoulders for the small little children who's growing up now. If the core in society is rotten, then you better make sure that you are sure and account. Uh, let me just slow down. You better make sure that your foundation is solid in the rock, Jesus Christ. Because let it be known, back in when I was younger, and let me say it again, I'm still young, praise God, but when I was younger, let it be known that society was still there to catch up when parents would fail. Schools were still Christian schools, yeah? Uh, churches were still Bible-believing churches, yeah? That ain't so anymore. The safety net is gone. And parents and mom and dad, grandpa, grandma, a boiler and a boilo. I'm talking to you. If society is not going to do it, it is up to us. And let it be known today. That's how it was from the beginning. That's how it was from the beginning. It was never meant for society to carry your children. It was always your responsibility. So in a way, we are returning back to the biblical principles. Because if you go back to Deuteronomy, I think it's chapter 8, he says to this nation, this same nation, he says, all the statutes of God, you shall write them on what? On the front of your, on, of your eyes. You will keep them in your hands on the doorposts of your house and you will teach them to your generations. Who? The schools? No. The Sunday school? No. The church? No. Who? You. And this is where we're coming back to. So I said it, there is hope. But the hope is sitting right here. Right here. He says, those who call evil good and good evil. Are we seeing that today? Turn on your TV, read your newspaper. Just do that. And you'll see it. It's all over the place. And I hear somebody says, we can do nothing about it. Oh, yes, we can. Are we going to march? Am I organizing a march here? Are we going to start painting banners and so? No. That's not how we do it. If you want to do it, by all means, God bless your heart. Excellent, yep. You see, the center needs to be the cross of Christ. And let me continue reading for you here. Verse 21, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. Yeah? Wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Well, while you're there, just turn with me to Isaiah chapter 10. Another scripture verse just jumped into my mind. Uh, Isaiah chapter 10. Just continue on with it. <clears throat> because it's all woes. If you go there from chapter 5, and then you reading chapter 6, how Isaiah has been called to be a prophet, and then you go to chapter 7, how Isaiah is sent to King Isaiah, and then you continue on right through um, uh, chapter 8, where he talks about Assyria will invade the land, and then, um, but then we come to chapter 10. 
And look at verse 1. He says, Woe, W O E. Yes, what does that mean? Is that good or bad news? It's bad. He says, Woe to those who decree unrighteous decrees. Who knows what's a decree? Well, in America, they call it an executive order. <laughs> I won't go there. It doesn't matter what you think or not, what happens in America will affect Australia eventually. Oh, it's already affecting us. And here God comes. Who, who's the one who makes decrees in the world? Only one, God. And here is His decrees. And again, I come back to my point this morning. If that's the message then today, because I will preach this next Sunday, but if that's the message then for you and for me, is that the core is rotten, but where are you standing? Maybe that should be the theme for today. The core is rotten, but where are you? Are you with the rotten core? Or are you standing out as the man and the woman of God? Listen to this. He says, woe to those who decree unrighteous decrees, who write misfortune which they have prescribed. They rob the needy of justice. Oh, isn't that right? Let me ask you, have you got faith in the justice system? It's eroded. But why am I reading it to you, the scripture verses? You say, but preacher, give us something positive this morning. Give us something. I don't want to walk out of church and go, oh, you know, life is over. What am I going to do? I don't want to be that. No, no. I'm giving you something positive here this morning. And this is that God knows what's going on on the earth. <laughs> you're not alone. If you're a child of God, He knows what's going on. And, and here is the amazing thing about it. How long ago was Isaiah written? Like yesterday, like last week? No, it was written long ago, thousands of years ago. And it's still talking about our day. There's still decrees going out changing your life. And if you don't believe me, just look at last year. How much say did you have in all of the decrees and little laws that was written that robbed you from your freedom? How many say did you have? Donuts. Nothing. And... and if you didn't obey, what did you get? A fine. You had to pay. And this is just telling you, we will give you the decree and you have to obey. You must obey it. If you can, you must. Is that sounding familiar? I don't want to make this a political speech, but listen to this. He says it right here in verse 2. To rob the needy of justice and to take what is right from the poor of my people, the widows that they may pray and that they may be robbed, uh, the fatherless. What will you do in the day of punishment and in the desolation which will come from afar? To whom will you flee for help and where will you leave your glory? Without me they shall bow down among the prisoners and they shall fall among the slain. For all this his anger is not turned away. But his hand is stretched out and still. Praise God. Praise God. So we are living in an ungodly world. Have we established that today? There's no confidence in this world. You say to me, oh, preacher, just wait a minute. Just wait a minute. Wait a few years. Donald Trump's going to come back. There's no peace in the man. I'm not talking against the man. I'm not talking for him. 
But this is what everybody say. Wait a few years and, and, and you know what we're going to do? All of these executive decrees and orders, he's just going to reverse them again and then they're going to reverse them. And all along our focus is taken away from one thing and that's the Word of God. The picture noise in the world is so taking up all of your attention that people forget. They forget God. And you know what it's there? It, it just makes you weaker. That's all he does. Just makes you weaker. I think I'm going to stop there today. Because I, I absolutely, uh, like I say, when I started and the Lord laid this message on my heart, because I want to talk to you about what is an ungodly world. What is an ungodly world? And then I wanted to show you what is a godly life, and I'm going to do that next week. And then we're going to look at the characteristics of a godly life. Do you think that's something good to look into? And the question stays, how do we live a godly life in an ungodly world? How do we do that? And we see that ungodliness, what does it mean? It means separation from God. Have I just explained it to you in the last 20 minutes? Ungodliness is separation from God. We're living in a world who do not want to know God. So you, and, and this is a test for you and for me. You know, how, how big a part is God playing in your life? I'm not just talking about Sundays. I'm talking from Monday to Saturday. Is there any, any place for God in your life? Any place? Is there a prayer that's going on to God? Is there a moment that you pick up His Word? And, because this is the voice of God. This is God speaking. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says that this is the breath of God. It's an inspiration from God for you and for me, for correction, for, for teaching, for training. Whenever you open up the Bible and you read the Word, when you read it, it's God speaking. I gave you Isaiah this morning. That's God speaking. When you read any verse. Now, I want to ask you this morning... During your day from Monday to Saturday, is there any time in that day that you pick up the Bible and want to hear what God is saying? Is there any time from Monday to Saturday before you come here on a Sunday that you close your eyes, you lift your hands to the sky and you talk to God, you have a, a conversation with God? You see, if that is not there, you might fall foul of living an ungodly life. You say, but wait a minute preacher, I'm saved. I've got the date, I've got the time, doesn't matter, I'm looking at your lifestyle. Because we are living in a world now who's showing us how it is to live in an ungodly... When I've explained to you everything about the world in the last 20 minutes, I could see everybody shaking their heads and saying, Amen. And we don't want to live that life, but it becomes so easy that ungodliness is separated life from God. I mean, if you talk to somebody who's a sportsman... What is taking up most of their time from Monday to Sunday? Practicing. Why? To become better. If you talk to a businessman this morning, from Monday to sometimes Sundays, what are they doing? They are working. Why? To become better at what they're doing and to, to gain what? Market share and to gain what? Profit. That's all that matters. Am I right or wrong? But when you talk to the child of God this morning and you ask them, how is your life with God? What are they saying to you and to me? Oh yes, I, I met with God last Sunday at church. 
That's when I met with God. That's when I sat down with God. And, and preacher, to be quite honest to you, I've got a busy lifestyle, man. I'm busy. I, I mean, to, to, can I show you my calendar, man? Just look at the thing. I haven't got a place for myself in there. What, what more for God? And that is exactly where your problem lies. Is it a serious message or what? But let's just continue on this line. And godliness is not only separation from God, it is opposing God through disobedience. Opposing God. What are we seeing in the world right now? The laws that they are writing into existence now is not laws to go with God, it is laws to go against God. It's opposing God. So in other words, the Bible says it's murder to kill somebody. They say, no, it's not. It's choice. Yeah? That's opposing God. The Holy Spirit says to you this morning, listen. Listen, I'm knocking on your heart. And if you don't, what is happening? You're opposing God. So it's not only a separated life from God. It's opposing God through disobedience. But then it's also lawlessness. I'll get that back. Lawlessness. You see... Are we living in a lawless society right now? Do I have to prove that we are living in ungodly times even more? Lawless society and then worldly passions. Worldly passions. Hein, can you just go and tell Auntie Toki I'm finished? Because I want to finish with this scripture verse today. And then we'll pick up from this next week. You see there are three things in the world that matters for this world. Possession, status, and sex. And all of the depravity that you see happening in our world right now comes from this. This and that. And it is important, and it's interesting to see that God made all of these things to be sacred. And sacred with him, but the world has took them and he turned it upside down and it made it ugly. He made it ugly. You see, possessions, you say, wait a minute, preacher, what are you going on about possessions? Are you after my house, my car? No, 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 I'm not after all of that. But there are people who will kill for possessions. Not only physically, but mentally they will kill. They will kill time with their families. To get more. They will step on other people with ugliness to get more. And you never touch that. Don't come close to my possessions. And therein lies the problem. It's your possessions. Let it be known today that everything that you've got, whether you're a child of God or not, is by the grace of God. You see why I say that these three things are driving the world possession? If you turn on the TV and the ads, what do they say? You've got this thing, but look, here's a better thing for you. It's only going to cost you more, but it's better. And then also, if you look at status, and if you look at sex, you know, the, the sex trafficking in the market, uh, uh, pedophilia, sex trafficking, uh, uh, porn, internet porn, that's going rife. That's the world we're living in. No wonder. That in, in John, 1 John wrote, he says, chapter 1, two, 2, verse 15, Do not love the world and the world uh, things. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it's of the world. 
So, brothers and sisters, we are living in ungodly times. Yeah? Now, the question is, how are you going to live your godly life in this world? And I'll answer that next week. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for, you, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. I can sense in my spirit, Lord, that there's an earnest seriousness and a timeliness about these messages. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that you use me as a vessel to bring these messages. And Father, at the start of this, I want to say, Lord, I, want to st- I don't want to stand as an obstacle to this message to the people, but as an instrument. So Father, please, during this week, the coming, I know the enemy, I know the evil one is not happy about this because it exposed everything. And I know also, Lord, that if the Spirit is exposed, he wants to destroy. But Father, we're not afraid because we stand in the name of Jesus. And Father, this morning, as, as uh, every one of us is going during this week, I pray that your Holy Spirit will go with us, will, will test us, Lord, will test our hearts, Lord, will uh, make us remember what he said today. And if there are certain parts in this sermon which came really close to hearts this morning, I thank you for that, Lord. But I also pray that the Holy Spirit will continue that work in every heart in this place. And Father, help us, Lord. Without you, we are nothing. We are strugglers. We are poor. We are paupers, Lord. But with you, Lord, everything is possible. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.